Hi, Joyful Health friends. This episode marks our season one finale. So thank you for listening along during our very first podcast season. And don't forget to join our Facebook group in the show notes so we can hear from you too. We are so grateful to share this conversation with you today. Because we are so steeped in diet culture and used to equating weight loss with success, it can feel disheartening if you don't lose weight when beginning intuitive eating to downright terrifying if the scale goes up. We want to address that fear and encourage you to stick with it in this episode. So get ready to hear a personal story and a lot of wisdom from Cassandra Baker, who is a certified health life and mental health coach. She has struggled with this in her own life and now guides other women through this very same process away from perfectionism and disordered eating and towards living out freedom in their body that they already have in Christ. We hope it blesses you today too. Let's get started. Hey friends, welcome to the Joyful Health Show. I'm Aubrey, registered dietitian. And I'm Casey, a personal trainer. And together, we're here to help you discover joyful health by grace. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of the Joyful Health Show. Today, we have the privilege of talking with Cassandra Baker. She's a certified health, life, and mental health coach to help answer the question, How do I accept my body if my weight stays the same or if my weight goes up when practicing intuitive eating? We're so excited to have this very needed conversation. So thank you for being here, Cassandra. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. Yes. Okay. So Cassandra, for a little bit about you, for people who don't know her, um, she knows what it's like to have that love-hate relationship with food and her body. It's from her own personal experience and recovery from two eating disorders that drives her passion to encourage women to find freedom. She is a certified health, life, and mental health coach and public speaker, helping women who are trapped in unhealthy habits such as perfectionism, disordered eating, legalism, and people-pleasing so that they can live free in Christ. Okay, so I am really grateful to just hear just a snapshot of your story there, but I would love to hear some more um, how you got to where you are now. What would you like to share with us about um, about like a, a personal story that you have had, um, the struggle that you've had and how um, God has met you in your story and how he has is continuing to author your story where you are today? Yeah, growing up, my life looked pretty great. I grew up in a good Christian home. Um, I did well in school, had lots of friends. And so it looked pretty nice. But underneath, there was kind of like this perfect storm that was kind of gathering. So I struggled with um, depression and anxiety probably started for me in middle school. And it was around that time that I started dieting as well, which then soon uh, disordered behaviors, uh, eating behaviors started to to come up. I'm also a highly sensitive person. I feel deeply. (laughs) And I, 
you know, also, of course, was growing up in a society that said in order to be somebody, in order to be beautiful and loved and healthy, you have to look a certain way and be a certain size. Your body does. And so all that came together and did develop into binge eating disorder. And then that started in middle school. And then in my late 20s, I developed orthorexia, the unhealthy obsession with healthy eating. And so to say that my life with these two eating disorders and the depression and anxiety was difficult seems like such an understatement. So I like to give um, the picture of uh, me laying on the ground and then this like hundred ton rock on top of me. Mm And there's no light or oxygen that can get through. And I call that rock Ed and the gang. Ed stands for eating disorder. And the gang represents the people-pleasing perfectionism, uh, need for control that oftentimes can go with food struggles. Um, And it wasn't until I was in my 20s that uh, the Lord started my recovery journey. And but before by that time, I had almost been struggling for two decades. And it was really through a Bible study and counseling that the Lord really started um, my my recovery work. And recovery for me started with dealing with the underlying traumas and wounds and things that had really happened that helped contribute to it. Um, But it was during this time that I also developed the orthorexia. And as the, the weight and um, the compulsive exercising increased, the weight continued to come off that I'd never experienced. And in that moment, all of a sudden, I started getting all this praise mm. uh, from people. And Ed was very quick to say, See, I told you, you're only more attractive or more beautiful and more valuable when you're in a smaller body. And while I know my friends and family didn't mean to hurt me in that way, it was very clear that. Um, I was praised more and what felt like loved more by being in a smaller body. And then in 2014, I experienced the first of four traumatic brain injuries. And so in one moment, that first traumatic brain injury, basically the Lord took away my ability to do the extreme behaviors of the orthorexia. So I thought I had found freedom because I was in a smaller body. But the problem was, is that when I could no longer do those behaviors, all of a sudden Ed was going crazy and he was not okay. And so in that moment, I kind of realized maybe I'm not as free as what I thought I was. And it was during that time that I found out about intuitive eating. Um, I tried to do it on my own, but when you're in an eating disorder, trying intuitive eating by yourself is like jumping off a cliff without a parachute. Um, And so I realized quickly that I needed a team of people to help me. And so that's when I started working with a dietitian uh, who specialized in eating disorder recovery. I got diagnosed for the first time. And what happened was these these team members came around me and started chipping away at the rock. You see, I thought I had to get myself out from underneath there. But the reality was there was no way in my own strength that I could that I could get myself out. And so um, it was very long, very hard, very painful, the most difficult thing by far I've ever done in my life and had to go through. Uh, But it was so worth it. Uh, Because now God is allowing me to do um, this work, which has been my dream to help other women who are struggling. And now I just simply get to be a vessel of helping other women who are a little farther behind me in this journey and to walk alongside them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that picture of um, the rock and having you know, that team or that community of people helping to chip away 
at it. Um, it's just a, a beautiful picture. And I think there's so many things in our lives that we need that. We need that support team. We need God to bring those people around us and to pray for that. Um, and most of all, we need him to chip away and, and remove mm-hmm. that rock. Um, so Cassandra, I know now that you work with people who are going through similar struggles. And I know today that we want to talk about this, you know, fear or maybe even reality of weight gain or um, weight, even weight maintenance, even for some people who are starting intuitive eating and they're breaking away from diets, even just staying in the same size body for them is scary or terrifying. Um because of what our culture says or what we what we're seeing what our value is seen as um and so i'm wondering you know when you work with women um does this problem come up a lot and you know how do, why do you think it is such a fear for people yeah it's utter terror for most of us who are on this journey and for me, recovery did mean weight gain. Um, and I think it's important to note, like, I always believed that being in a thinner body meant being healthier. Mm-hmm. But as I went through recovery, what became very clear was that if I was going to be in that smaller body, then it was going to take an eating disorder mm-hmm. in order to be there. And so I don't believe that God is asking any of us to use an eating disorder in order to be in a smaller body. And, um, but that is knowing that in your head and then, you know, living it out is one thing, right? Cause we hear all the cliche Pat Christian answers like, oh, God loves us each just where we are. And we're each created, you know, unique and beautiful. And while that there, there is truth to that. The Bible backs up those statements. I want to be like, excuse me, I'm going to go hit my head against the wall because that does me no good in this moment. It just tells my head that, but it never changed anything on an experiential or feeling level. Um, And so that was just really hard. But for me, um, and many of the women that I work with, many times, the reality is, and, (laughs) and this is difficult with this process, is that it does mean probably being where you're at, And oftentimes it does require weight gain because the reality is, is so many of us are using disordered eating and eating disorder behaviors to be in a smaller body. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's, it's a process. And I wish I, you know, I wish I could say, here, just do this, this, and this, and then it'll, it'll take care of it. But the reality is like what it took to remove that weight, that hundred ton rock off of me was long and slow and complicated and a lot of different areas that really required. And that's why I think oftentimes we need someone outside of ourselves to do this work because um, we live in a culture and in this earthly kingdom that says one thing. And basically um, I think of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, right? Where they're like standing in front of everyone and literally facing death if they don't bow down to that idol. And while, you know, we're not necessarily fa- um, facing death in this regard, there is a certain death to caring about what the society says. Um, if we're no longer going to bow to what I call the beauty idol, uh, the thinness and, and beauty and, and health kind of idol that we have in our society. And that is a sort of death and that's hard 
and is a process to grieve and then to work through. Um, honestly, learning how to keep our eyes on Jesus and loving him more and recognizing how his love can push out our love of and desire for wanting to be what the society says we have to look like. Hmm. Yeah, this is so important. I hear, um, it's like you, you were able to define that fear and put it into a visual of this rock that felt like it was weighing on you. And then that enabled you to see, I need someone outside of me to help lift this rock. Um, and Amanda Reynolds, one of our coaches has just wrote a post about how like the rocks in our life can feel way too big, but then Jesus, you know, like he, that was his resurrection as the stone was rolled away. Um, so this like fear that can sometimes feel really fuzzy for people of, I started intuitive eating or I want to start intuitive, intuitive eating, but my clothes are getting tighter. And then this fear rushes in and then it makes them want to stop and to stop, um, trying this new way and go back to the old way of dieting or, um, disordered ways of eating and exercising. What would you say to, how would you speak to that fear? So our current society says, uh, measures success in regards to health and beauty by weight loss. Mm. But when it comes to doing, approaching life with an intuitive eating, um, laying down, you know, the beauty idol, what it actually really requires is being able to say, I, I'm going to live in a different kingdom. I'm going to focus on losing the weight of diet culture mm. and measure success by the weight loss. Cause you see the weight that I lost of the hundred ton rock, I lost a hundred tons <laughs> way more than whatever number I actually gained on my physical body. Yeah. Yet I know that the reality of even gaining one pound can feel so crushing. Mm. Um, and so it's, it's tough, but it's kind of like a paradigm shift, like learning to see what is God's kingdom. How does God see this and living in that reality? And that takes time learning how, what does that reality look like? Mm -hmm. And the other thing that's really tough is saying, um, or we have to dive down into like, why is gaining blank amount of weight so terrifying to me? What thoughts, what emotions are coming up underneath that? Because mm -hmm. the fear of that is a symptom of underlying thoughts and beliefs that are going on that need to be addressed mm -hmm. to be able to move forward. Mm -hmm. So when you're talking about, you know, digging down and finding that underlying um, belief, what would you say, you know, let's say someone does that and I'm going to give a couple examples and then Cassandra, I'd love for you to give a couple examples of things that you've seen, you know, if I gain weight, um, this will happen. If I gain weight, then I will, you know, no longer be perceived as successful. If I gain weight, then I will no longer, um, you know, be as desire physically desirable. Um, and then would you say, what are some other ones? And do, do you take it even deeper than that with your clients? 
Yeah, I think oftentimes as we are really digging down onto like the the core thoughts and and wounds that are kind of underneath it, it comes down to a lot of times those around us have literally communicated maybe actually verbally or nonverbal communication that our value comes from what size our body is. So mm -hmm. the thought of gaining weight means that in this in that realm that you are less than. And when you hear the thought you are less than and you are not lovable and you aren't valuable as a person because of the size that you are, I mean, that gets to the very core of our identity and our worth. And, mm -hmm. and that's what's so paralyzing. How can I go about in this world if that is what gives me value? Mm -hmm. And so that's where it's really important as we recognize these thoughts and is to be able to then say, okay, so, but what is the truth? Like from a kingdom perspective, is that what is really truth? Mm -hmm. And so, but it takes time to have that truth build up. And then it really takes time for that truth to transition from just a truth to feeling. Mm -hmm. Because when the feelings can come, that is one true transformation. And for me, that really came through not just knowing about the gospel, but experiencing the truth of the gospel. Mm -hmm. So I kind of, I have like this short little clip that I read to myself because if the world says you are not enough, if you are bigger than blank and for each family or each person, what that number might mean is different. So it's, again, it's subjective because nowhere in the Bible do I ever find you need to be a size blank in order to be healthy, <laughs> valuable and loved. I've yet to find that passage. Um, I, I see the passage in scripture, Psalm 104, 25, where it talks about God creating large and small animals. And I see mm -hmm. in creation all around us, a creator who creates variety, not a creator who created all women to be the exact same size and mold. And so nowhere in scripture do I see the support for that we are all supposed to be small like that biblically I just don't see that being supported um but when I can come to realize like because many of us especially if we've grown up in the church have heard those pat Christian answers all our lives like if you believe um in Christ then you you can have freedom that you can that you are loved and just as you are but I didn't understand the truth of that so is it okay if I take uh, just a minute to read this um, love letter from Jesus to me that really changed everything? Yes. And did you write like write this in prayer on your own or is this taken from something else? So Timothy Keller was the one who kind of taught me how to teach and speak the gospel to myself every day. So based off like listening to his teachings, I then sat down and then took the time to personalize it for me. So mm -hmm. that's where this came from. Okay. 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 So this is Jesus to me, Cassandra. I know it's not easy living in a world where you are constantly bombarded with messages that you are not enough, but you are unique and one of a kind. And I didn't create you to fit the world's beauty standards. And only when you live in the truth that you are my daughter, will you be free. Mm -hmm. When I was in the garden of Gethsemane, I was deeply distressed because I knew what was ahead of me 
And I asked the Father if there would be any other way for you to be saved and to not have to go through the cross. But the only way for you to spend eternity with me in heaven was for me to be tortured and crucified, to pay the price of your sins, including your love of the beauty idol. Mm. And I agreed to lay down my life because I love you so very much. And as I was being beaten, whipped, spit on, abused, tortured, and carrying the cross to where I would die, I was thinking of you. I must do the will of the Father to save my precious daughter, because having her with me is worth all this pain and suffering. And as I suffered for hours, I thought of you, Cassandra. My love for you kept me on the cross. And I died and rose again so we can spend eternity together. And because of this, you are free from sin and no longer a slave to what others think of you and conforming to this world's beauty standards. And when I spoke this to myself again and again every day, what it did is what it it brought the eternal heavenly kingdom into view. And that became more real and more valid than what the earthly kingdom was telling me about my body and about my weight. And this great love is bigger than any hurt that someone can say about what my body looks like and um, how I might be less than. And it hurts. I'm not taking that away. But this love, what he did for me, he gave it all for me so I can lay down what maybe I would wish and prefer for my body to be in order to care for my body and honor him the way he wants and to accept the size that he created my body to be. Well, I'm a little speechless right now. <laughs> I'm glad that my video is not on because I'm like tearing up over here. I'm like, oh, <laughs> no, I can see me if you're listening to the audio. My video is not working, but that's beautiful. And I wish, or not I wish, I would love Cassandra if, um, you wouldn't mind sharing that and we could help people like insert, they could insert their own name in there. Um, if that's helpful for someone, would you mind that? No, not at all. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. And I love that you're like, it's just, it's a process and it's something that we repeat over and over to ourselves every day. Um, because we're, you know, we're creating this new, um, neural pathway. We're creating, we're washing over um, things that have happened in our mind and these beliefs that we've had. We're literally giving our brains like an oxytocin wash, which creates this rewiring of our brain. And oxytocin is the love hormone. Um, and I think that's just another really cool picture of how Jesus' love tangibly can change us. Um, and I love what you shared, Cassandra. And I think you could, if of course you guys could personalize your own um, letter and totally change it up, but mm. what better truth than what you just shared with us um, mm. on top of, you know, on top of that, or maybe just in addition to that, can you talk a little bit more about um, the reality that health is not based on our weight and that, you know, if, if we do gain weight, even if we feel like we're in a body that is already considered quote overweight or whatever by society standards um, or by our own standards, can you talk about how health and weight are not um, 
always, you know, they don't always go together. Right. Um, so like I was talking before, you know, when I was in that smaller body, it wasn't actually healthy because it was taking an eating disorder. But interestingly enough, when I was going through recovery um, and after several years, I've come to find that my set point weight is actually around the set, around where I was all those years I was struggling with binge eating disorder. And I always thought, oh, if I weren't doing this binging, then I wouldn't I wouldn't be this size. I would be much smaller. Um, so I've been in my current body size um, and not been healthy before, right? Because, you know, I don't believe that if, I believe the Bible supports that it matters how we take care of our bodies. And so when I was struggling with binge eating disorder, I wasn't able to take care of my body. I mean, I, I was using it as a means of coping with life and being able to try to ultimately get into a smaller body because the restriction led to the binging. Um, but it ended up, you know, being a, a body that wasn't healthy because again, I was in an eating disorder, but now I'm in this same size body that I was before the orthorexia and I'm healthy for the first time because I'm in this size body um, that is <clears throat> um, healthy without an eating disorder. It it allows me like to have, I can eat, enjoy all foods. I don't um, feel out of control around food. I do not think about food all the time, the way that I used to before. Um, and so it's, um, it's interesting. And oftentimes, like as I was trying to work through the process of accepting that my body wasn't at the smaller body size that I would have preferred if I could have picked, um, a lot of it was learning how to feel my body in the bigger in the bigger size body. And I recognized that so much of what I was feeling was connected to like I always told myself, oh, I can't be comfortable in a bigger size body because um, that's not healthy or whatever. But when I as I was going through the process, I learned that so much of the feelings of being in a larger body were not so much the actual physical feelings, but those physical feelings were connected to wounds and trauma of what people said about my body. And so as I worked through those um, and was able to learn how to tolerate and feel this body size and separate the wounds from the body size, then I was able to start accepting and recognize that I'm not as uncomfortable in this body. It's more diet culture telling me that I can't be comfortable in this body. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it sounds like it's, I mean, for you personally and for the, from all the research that we've done with health at every size and, um, and intuitive eating, it's much less about your body size and more about those healthy behaviors. Um, and when you were reading the letter, it was like, the whole focus on body size felt like a big boulder. Like I could feel that. And then I could like sense it shrinking. <laughs> um, and maybe even just like falling to the ground underneath your feet rather than something that's crushing you from above. And so like Jesus has put all things underneath his feet. Um, he has conquered death. And so that's really like the biggest stone, the biggest like gravestone that we could fear. 
Um, and so as a Christian, like that weight is lifted, but it takes practice. Like you said, practice of getting that truth from your mind to your heart and that practice of speaking that truth to yourself and living it. Um, so it can be scary to start living that truth. Um, were there a few, I know you, you talked about like Bible study and counseling being some of those small steps towards healing and getting that support. Um, are there any other small steps that people can take practically to start moving that truth? Um, in addition to, you know, speaking that truth, praying that truth in your heart, facing the Lord, um, and turning away from the values of society. Yeah. One of the other, I think, important aspects of removing that hundred ton, uh, rock was understanding the cultural identity formation of the current cultural identity formation versus a biblical mm. identity formation. And so our culture says that our identity is by, I'm going to go out and say who I want to be. Um, and then I'm going to go out and I'm going to become that. And that's who I'm going to be. Um, maybe you're familiar with the great work of art, let it go by frozen, right? No, right. No wrong. No rules for me. I'm free. Just <laughs> um, an example, but ultimately a cultural identity is crushing because what happens if I work so hard, which I did, I worked mm. by using an eating disorder to try to get my identity by saying I am somebody by being in this smaller body size. And then I go out and I can't do it. Or maybe you could do it for a while like I did, but then eventually it was like, mm. you couldn't maintain it. Mm -hmm. and um, And so ultimately it puts us on the, on a pendulum swing of like, we feel really good if we did what we were supposed to, or we feel really bad if we didn't. So um, it's like this dizzying pendulum swing back and forth. That's not secure. Mm -hmm. um, and ultimately my eyes were resting on me, all about me. But um, Paul talked about the biblical identity formation in first Corinthians four, uh, three and four says, I care very little if I'm judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. And this uh, biblical identity uh, formation um, can be found in Timothy Keller's book, The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. And I feel like this has been key for me to be able to um, accept the weight gain and the larger body. because. Paul's saying here, I don't care what you think about me, which is what our, our culture is saying, right? Like, it doesn't matter what you think about me. But he says, I also, it doesn't matter what I think about myself. And I think about all the times that I stood in front of a mirror or was looking down at my body and I just like hated it and I wanted mm -hmm. to cut it away. And I wanted to just, get, you know, like there was so much self-loathing. Um, but that was transformational. Like Cassandra, it doesn't actually matter what you think think about yourself. What ultimately matters was what God says about us. Mm. And so true freedom from body image struggle is not thinking more of myself, but it's also not thinking less of myself and shaming myself because that's still pride focusing on myself. It's just actually thinking about myself less. Mm. And so body image freedom for me means that I just don't think about my body. Like how many times today have you thought about your big toe? 
<laughs> Probably not at all unless you stubbed it this morning, right? <laughs> That's really funny because I was literally just, I'm standing here and I have my foot propped up and I was rubbing my big toe and my little toe together. <laughs> but I wasn't conscious of it until you named it. <laughs> And that's what I did for so many years. It's like, it was just all thinking about my body. And so I believe this first Corinthians four passage supports a biblical approach to body neutrality when it comes to our body. And so um, it's just a matter of like, when my body is hungry, I take care of it. If I stub my big toe, I ice it. You know, I mm. take care when my body communicates something to me, but I'm not thinking about it all the time. And that then gives me so much freedom to go out and to live my life and to live in the moment. Hmm. Yeah. That the whole time you were thinking or talking, I was thinking about um selfish plug, I guess, but <laughs> our phrase, which is we start with grace and follow the joy. Um and we really have to start form our our identity on God's grace on what Christ did for us on who he says we are. So make that our foundation instead of mm -hmm. going out and trying to make our ide own identity. Mm -hmm. And then from there, kind of like what you're talking about, Cassandra, from there, we can just respond um, by following the joy of Christ. Like we're, as we're following Jesus, we can just sort of respond to these things that are happening in our life, whether it's, we need to pee, we got to go use the bathroom. We're hungry. <laughs> um, right. Or, you know, this person in our life is causing an interruption. Maybe it's my two-year-old and I'm, it's okay. I can step off and love them right now mm -hmm. um, because I'm not trying to go out and get my identity. I'm starting from this place of grace mm -hmm. and I'm just, you know, following the joy of the Lord. So I love that. I am curious, you know, is there any other like practical tips you can give to our listeners to, um, to just start, you know, soaking in these identity verses, soaking in the word, helping to um, go back to the Lord and help them form him, form their identity. Um, one of the things that comes up is you already referenced it, Aubrey, is the importance of repetition. You know, we have been thinking these thoughts about our bodies and about food and health for, for many women, it's decades. Hmm. And so, to actually break free and for our mind to rewire from that is not going to be a one week, two week thing. This is going to be a lifelong journey. And so oftentimes we're like, oh, I've been doing this for two or three months and it's, you know, I'm not where I want to be. So I th I think setting realistic expectations of what this journey looks like. And that's one of the things I love about intuitive eating is that it's a practice. Mm -hmm. That is something I'm going to be working on and practicing my whole life. And that's the same way with my thoughts, because it I would say I'm recovered, but that doesn't mean I don't have a bad body image day or or don't still struggle at times, but I'm no longer bombarded with it like I was. And now I have the tools to be able to fight it when I do. Mm -hmm. I have. And so. Things that really stick out to me, one of the things I assign uh, to almost all my clients is creating a 911 list. And so as we do this work, I realized that I needed to hear the truth way more than I was hearing the lies of Ed and the gang. And so that meant 
uh, on, I created this list of like all these different kinds of true scripture verse. And so recovery for me meant practically rewiring the brain looked like 10 times a day, pulling out my 911 list every time Ed was telling me not to eat something or that I needed to do an extra so much amount of exercise. I would bring that out and I counter it with that. I didn't feel it those times or necessarily even believe it. But eventually, after doing it for years now, I don't even have to pull the 911 list out anymore, right? Because my thoughts are the positive soundtrack, healthy mm-hmm. uh, truth. And if the the dial of the unhealthy soundtrack ever goes up, then it usually to me is an indicator that there's emotions and lies and maybe even some wounds that are going on underneath that need help. Because ultimately I was using food and body image and trying to control my weight as a means of trying to cope with those things. And so now they're helpful information for me to be able to better help care for the true self that God created me to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just thought about, um, I just looked up the scripture because, you know, when God first gave us, the Ten Commandments, it was written on tablets of stone. Um, and Hebrews 10, 16 says, this is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I'll write them on their minds. So in their hearts and on their minds. So um, being able to practice it with your hands kind of moves it from your that paper to your heart and your mind as you practice it. Like you said, it is a practice and being able to have those open-handed expectations when starting intuitive eating. Um, a lot of it is trust is to be able to, like when we are in a diet, we're trusting the results that this diet can give us. But we know personally, you know, personally, we know from our clients, we know research says that that doesn't last (laughs) and that often leads to more harmful results. Um, and so, you know, when we are able to start taking a step towards trusting what the word says, trusting what our body is saying, then, you know, taking those small steps and we can say, well, what does this look like? Oh, when you can start listening in when you're not, um, expecting, you know, uh, if you're not expecting weight loss and then and you're mostly expecting just, okay, what am I looking for? And you get curious and you just, you don't have those, um, really rigid, narrow-minded expectations. And then, and then you can't lose, you know, at that point, because like we said, it's already, we have that foundation of grace underneath our feet. Um, that's not going away. So, and I think that can also take some of the fear away, um, as well. So, yeah, and I, <laughs> I have written down a few verses, but um, you talked a lot too about like kind of what will this cost you? Like, you know, I had to, I went through an eating disorder so that I could achieve a smaller body and that's what it cost me. Um, and then Jesus, you know, says, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for and then you insert like whose sake, whose sake are you giving up your life for? Like for whose sake are you consuming your mind for? Is it for the sake of, like you said, this beauty idol? And maybe we don't even know that it's a beauty idol (laughs) Um, because we think it's for health um, or we think it's for good, you know? But Jesus says, if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. So yeah, I just really enjoy this conversation. Is there 
anything else that you want to leave our listeners with as we wrap up? I always encourage, like to encourage by, by leaving you with this. The only way that you will for sure never find freedom living is by giving up. And so I think that, you know, at a young age, I committed to like, okay, even if I die at 80 with an eating disorder, I'm going to die fighting for freedom versus having lived my life, not fighting for it. Mm-hmm. And um, I believe that's why I'm where I'm at today is because I never gave up. And I also think too, I, can I leave two things? Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> when we're going through this process, you know, when if, if and when the weight gain starts coming, it is terrifying. And if you don't have someone outside of yourself saying, I know that this is scary. I know this feels like impossible, but let me hold the space that you can get through this and that you can gain the weight and be okay. Mm -hmm. Then if I didn't have someone like that, I don't know that I would have been able to stay in that because it was so absolutely terrifying and difficult. Mm -hmm. So who are those people that they can reach out to? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think everyone needs, even if, you know, if, Maybe certain people need professional level care or a coach, but even if it's not that someone who just believes and has been through this journey before and says, what you're going through is normal. This is not abnormal. This is part of the process. So keep hanging on. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. I agree. Um, and I love that quote. <laughs> I think so many things it's like, if we just, yeah, if we keep hanging on long enough, you know, God is still hanging on to you. So mm. he's not, you know, just trying to hang on as long as he's hanging on you you can't give up. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I love that. And Cassandra, would you help our listeners figure out how they can connect with you? Um, a little bit more about your services. Um, and also would you pray us out at the end? Yes. You can find me at CassandraBaker.com and Cassandra's with a K. And my my email is info at CassandraBaker.com. And I'm just so excited to be here and I uh, appreciate both of you. So I would like to offer um, three 60-minute, um, what I call breaking free strategy session, complimentary for the first three listeners who reach out to me. Mm-hmm. I'd be happy to just sit down and say, what are some practical steps that you know you could take to start implementing some of these things? Mm-hmm. Um, so just email me, let me know that you heard me on here and that's at info or info at CassandraBaker.com. And um, I also have a resource list on my page, which includes both of your books and your podcasts. So they can find you there. But, um, it's also a lot of the other resources that have been really crucial. Um, the, some of the books that I mentioned uh, through today that have helped me to be where I'm at today. Mm-hmm. So, all right, let me go ahead and, and pray then. Yeah. Father, I thank you so much that, um, that when you were in agony, when you were suffocating on the cross, that you stayed despite the pain and the hurt. And it wasn't just the physical hurt, Lord. You were, you were carrying um, the rejection of your father. You were taking the weight of each of our sins 
So it was more than just the physical agony that you were going through and you stayed. You didn't, you didn't get up and, and didn't get off. And so I pray as each listener um, is, is going through this journey that when they want to give up and when it feels too hard and when it feels impossible, that they would remember that you stayed. And because you stayed and did what we would never be able to do for ourselves, that, um, that they can stay too. And I thank you so much that, um, that this current uh, kingdom is not the forever kingdom, that your eternal kingdom, there will be no uh, diet culture and no focus on weight. It'll, it'll be about being the unique creation that you have made each of us to be as your creator. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to desire and to help us to do the work so that we can live in that eternity in, in each moment while we're here on this earth. Mm. None of it would be possible without you. So I thank you so much. And we ask all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much. Um, and thank you for listening, everyone who stayed till the end. And friends, until next time, may you rest in his grace and follow the joy. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. We hope this episode encouraged you to stay the course on your joyful health journey, no matter what the scale says. If you want to learn more about the science behind the joyful health approach to food and movement, take our free masterclass, Stop Dieting and Discover the Joy in Food and Fitness. You can find the link in the show notes or on our website at joyfulhealth.co. This episode concludes season one of the podcast, but we will be back at the end of the summer with a brand new season. In the meantime, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review so more people can discover joyful health by grace. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. We hope this episode encouraged you to stay the course on your joyful health journey, no matter what the scale says. If you want to learn more about the science behind the joyful health approach to food and movement, take our free masterclass, Stop Dieting and Discover the Joy in Food and Fitness. You can find the link in the show notes or on our website at joyfulhealth.co. This episode concludes season one of the podcast, but we will be back at the end of the summer with a brand new season. In the meantime, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review so more people can discover joyful health by grace.